We are about to tell some more truths. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Truth Be Told. Truth Be Told. Now, this truth, well, there's lots of varieties of it for sure, but I'm going to throw out some names and see if you can catch what we're about to talk about. Name game. Let's do it. Let's do it. Rachel Dolezal, Mm. Jessica Krug, Janine Cummins, Mm. Justin Bieber, Vanilla Ice, Justin Timberlake, Adele. Can I add Eminem on there? Oh, I think you caught on. (laughs) Okay, Okay, so what do they all have in common? Cultural appropriation? Certainly connected to the topic Ah. of cultural appropriation. Here we go. Here we go. Do you think that word is so complicated that people need to understand what it actually is? I do. Let's pull out our handy-dandy book. We have a great book. I'm just going to shout this this author out. Me and White Supremacy Combat Racism Change the World and Become a Good Ancestor. Mm. Leave the world better than you found it for your children and your children's children. That author is Layla F. Saad or Saad, S-A-A-D. I really like one of these chapters she has on cultural appropriation. And she says that this is when you might appreciate or notice something about another group, but you pull in your power and privilege and take it on as your own. Mm. And so the humanities and sociology part of me is going to add in there of the less dominant culture. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're taking something from the less dominant culture. Now, of course, that idea of dominance could be in someone's mind because Correct. if you ask me, there is a beautiful dominance and excellence amongst all these cultures. As we talked about in previous shows, what excellence is to each of us, right? Amen. Right. Certainly. But if we look at food chains and hierarchies and things, we know what we're talking right. about. We're not here. talking about dominant culture as it relates to who is better no. or proximity. No. Right? We're talking about supremacy. That's exactly all right. right. So when we talk about, for example, appropriation as commercialism, who's making the money off of the idea of beauty these days? Beauty in America right now is an interesting blend of things appropriated from black bodies, but put on other bodies. Like who? Let's, like who are those somebodies? Let's bring the somebodies into this space, into yeah. the conversation, Tasneem. Let's, I, I, can we start with the Kardashians? We can, okay. which is now synonymous with what? Big booties. Big booties. Big lips. Big lips. Super tan skin. Mm. All not indigenous to who they were before surgery. Before a lot of Botox. Right? Yeah. Definitely. So would we, you know, so many people are in love with the Kardashian show and I know it's it's exiting. I guess it's going off. I don't know. I've never seen one single episode of it and mm. we all know why. Mm. But for so many people, it's pop culture. It's iconic and they follow it and they love it and they fall in love with this group and this, this family for so many different reasons. But we don't equate... Any of the Kardashians with cultural appropriation. Like, they weren't even on your list. They weren't probably because, like, you have never, ever seen an episode. Ah, There you go. But I'm aware of them within the pop culture context. I think actually now in this, not just in this pandemic, but also in relation to people who are saying that, you know, we have been fighting and working amid some COVID situations for a long time, the pandemic of socioeconomic injustice, the pandemic of police brutality, all the pandemics. I think cultural appropriation comes in alignment with today's times because once you get into allyship... Yeah, I was going to say, why today? What makes today today? different, right? 
When you get into allyship, people get real comfortable or curious about whether or not they can appropriate certain images and efforts aligned with social justice. For example, the We Out t-shirt that attributes that very brief quote to Harriet Tubman. Correct. There's some people who may not be, in terms of lineage and heritage, connected to Harriet Tubman, but want to rock that t-shirt. Not want to rock that t-shirt. They They rock rock in that that t-shirt. Is that appropriation? Hmm. You tell me. According to the definition. Oh, yes. According to the definition, appropriation shows up in hair. Those of us who are rocking, for example, locks. Ooh. And had to do a lot of work to get them. We're talking peanut butter, honey, rubber bands, bumblebees. Talking years of trying to get these locks right. It's a lot in the right, locks. Right, it's right. a lot in the locks. Oh, yeah. A uh, beauty. So I want to Botox my lips because I think plumper lips are more beautiful. Mm, they're fuller, right? And it's the thing to do now. But it hadn't always been that way. Nor right? was it beautiful when black people were doing oh. it or had them. And we do still have them. But I, I remember somebody calling Big Lip soup coolers. Have you Correct. ever heard that? Yeah, yeah, I heard it. Soup coolers. Yeah. You'll see appropriation in spirituality. So a lot of rituals, mm. you might borrow. That's a code word for nicely, nicely appropriate. Nicely. You nice might borrow from, say, <clears throat> Native American traditions. If you have a mandala hanging from the rearview mirror of your car oh. and you aren't from any culture that makes mandalas yeah it's cultural appropriation my yoga mat in my back seat Ooh, speak about yoga <laughs> if i mention yoga to you what does a yoga instructor look like ah uh, that image game she is white she has on yoga pants and she's getting out of a van and where does the tradition of yoga come from not from a white woman in a van and the science of yoga because it does need to be elevated to that it's an amazing tradition that's exactly right we think about east nashville Little boutiques, spaces with tiny, tight pants. Um, (laughs) Me and white supremacy also relates appropriation to wellness. So traditional wellness practices and healing modalities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cupping, for example, Mm -hmm. hot stones, cranial massage. I don't know. I'm just throwing some things out there. Of course, music. Shared beds after nursing children, the whole birthing process. The whole Western culture now has capitalized on what traditional birthing methods that were long before Western culture made them hip. Right. And put them in a little boutique. Put them in a And gave a certification for it. Indeed. Keep going. Cultural holidays and events. Mm. Appropriated. Linguistic styles. I remember when I heard Katie Couric say, you go girl. I wanted, I think I actually fainted. It had to be revived with smelling sauce. It was tough. Why did it make you faint, Tess? You know, here's the thing. And I I know there's a line between cultural appreciation and appropriation. And that's generally where when people want to argue the point, they go like, but I just I love the soul and melody of black speak. People will say, right. And black English or your language. I like it a lot. Yeah. You asked me why I wanted to faint. And the way I come into the conversation about appropriation is this. There is a scarcity model of respect for people who are marginalized. You call them the people who aren't necessarily considered dominant in Mm -hmm. Western culture, in in this country, certainly in other places in the world, too. So that we become, I become, culturally possessive. Yeah. And so I like being able to say, girl, and we all know who I'm talking to. Correct. If... Someone who represents the subjugation I feel 
that keeps people who look like me and people who experience the same things I experience, if it keeps them feeling subjugated, the people who represent that come up to me and say, girl, I don't feel kinship there. I, I don't. I think kinship has a lot to do with this idea of where we come into the conversation. Are we leaning more toward understanding someone's appreciation mm. or is it always just appropriation? So for some of us, I mean, and, and some of us have a little bit less tolerance than others on this topic. And, I and, and I may have very little tolerance for appreciation. Yeah. Because it's only you only appreciate certain aspects of cultures when it's convenient, when it's marketable, when it is profitable, when it is the social revolution, which again goes back to profit and marketing and iconic, but when it no longer serves you. So you can love the culture of any given people without loving the people. Mm. That's is how I enter into this conversation. Yeah. I think I heard some people talking about, well, Justin Timberlake and social media. Mm -hmm. And this was at the time of the murder of George Floyd and wondering if people on Instagram who are celebrities were going to use their celebrity to speak out against police brutality now and forever and saying, oh, you want to sing our blues, but you don't want to live our blues, right? Yeah. And you want to use our music, but you don't want to live our music. Correct. You think our lyrics are cool, but you don't want to live the lyrics. And so the ability to dip and dabble, right, to come in and say, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to do a riff on this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a beat. I'm going to, and that is the whole Robin hands down privilege. Miley Cyrus on Marvin Gaye and didn't think no one would realize that they had took a riff and borrowed a little bit from Marvin Gaye without letting his estate know. I need smelling salts. I feel a faint. Yeah. I mean, so the, the idea, it's not, it's not the idea of appreciation. Of the music. It's beautiful music. Mm -hmm. No doubt. It's amazing. The culture is beautiful. The colors, the vibrance, the language. Culture is in itself a beautiful thing. But it's not just appreciation. For you, isn't it also about citation and giving it's honor? A, that's number one. Okay. So the instance, I do want us to dive into one of those names on your list in a minute. But before we dive into Jessica... Let's go to the idea of citing, right? I was watching and looking at something on Insta the other day. Is woman has revolutionized since she's been home during the pandemic. She's revolutionized stay-at-home mom. This new satin bonnet that she made for her daughter's hair. Is a bonnet a headscarf? It doesn't matter if it's a bonnet or a headscarf, but the post said that she revolutionized so her daughter's hair don't move at night while she's lying in bed. And it became the thing. This woman, this mom at home, you know, like, look at the great things that is coming out of COVID in the pandemic. This mom, stay home mom, has now revolutionized the beauty industry. And I screamed, Tess, I almost fainted. The bonnet, mm -hmm. the satin bonnet. Mm. Wait, so, wait, is that the same one that our aunties will be rocking? The same it? one that Big Mama has, hey, that has always no. had in no. some form, fashion, or another, right? Yes. And so this idea of appropriation, giving credit, creed, I don't honor, recognition, cite the source. Cite the source. Cite the black woman that you stole that idea from. And if you didn't know the source... Once you know it, do better. So if someone brought it to her attention and she's like, oh, my goodness. I thought I was the first person to create a bonnet. And they're like, you aren't, sis, because somebody actually was doing that back in 1200 B.C. You need to be like, 
you know, the bonnet that I thought I created. <laughs> this is my new version now. This is my pandemic version of my neighborhood. Just say that. Be creative. Create something for your daughter's hair. But do not capitalize, profitize. As the originator. As the originator. That is my biggest problem. Smelling salts. Yeah. Keep Smelling going. salts. Well, oh. Adele falls into that, does she not? Oh, yeah. And Adele we, and we, the band, too, nods? And oh. the bikini? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about it. Well, let's. I think it's interesting to note that there are people for whom... Festivals like the Notting Hill Festival yeah. is personal. It's part of their family heritage and culture. Who did not find any problem with Adele rocking the Jamaican flag mm-hmm. or what we call Bantu knots. Right. Which for those of you who don't know, is like your hair swirled and parted and, and twisted into a beautiful knot. Done especially well if your hair has some kink to it. Right. Because that will stay without a bobby pin. Right. Because that's what kinky hair does. So there are people who felt as though these were sort of problems that black slash African-Americans have with appropriation. For other people, it is just appreciation. Right. And we are so happy, Adele, that you are using your platform on Instagram to publicize our hairstyles and our flag colors. Yeah. Adele, thank you. Because without that, it just might belong to St. Bolt. Or I don't know. Or we would have never known what a Bantu knot was had it not been. I, I saw that as well. Had it not been for Odell. For Adele. So yeah. we're going to give thanks. Oh. That's not everybody's view. That's not everyone's truth. That's not everyone's truth. Some jokers out there fainted. And what about all of the people who are mistreated on their jobs because of their hairstyle? Yes. What yes. about all of the people who are questioned? All of the young men that criminalized. Have to, who are criminalized, marginalized, and some with very limited mobility as it relates to their career trajectory mm-hmm. because pull your hair back, pull your braids back, pull your... It's pull, not professional. Why, why, that's not professional. It's not clean. Let's, let's clean that up. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. And so what would happen if I came to work in a leadership meeting with Bantu Knots? Just pause for a minute to think about how would anybody tweet about, oh my gosh, Andrea just exposed this this amazing part of culture. Some Bantu Knots. I'll give that a no. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's uh, the difference, Tasney? You know the difference, Andre. Okay. I mean, and that's just privilege, right? And But I think it's also to your point of, about being able to dip in and out. I don't know that she would go to the Grammys with Bantu Knots. No. But it's fun for a carnival. Yeah. You know, and so... Lots of truths out there. There are lots of truths. And I do, uh, on the other side of that, I saw how many celebrities said, you know, way to go. You're doing great. They didn't take it personal. And I didn't, I didn't get like, did you get offended when you looked at it for the first time? No, I actually didn't even recognize her. Yeah, I didn't get offended either. Um, and I noticed people were complimenting her on for so many reasons. And that's sure. great. And, and Adele has an amazing voice. <laughs> amazing. But the problem is when we bring in, and I know most people are saying, then what's the problem? The problem here lies with cultural appropriation is power. Can we just pause right there to talk about that power, Tasmin? The limitations on people of color to wear and do and do the things that are indigenously them and the lack of limitation that other people have to dip and dabble and make profit and publicize cultures that they are experimenting with, perhaps still appreciating. I'm not taking anything off appreciating it because Bantu Nasa are beautiful. They bomb, we know that. But I think that her ability it will do nothing to her record sales to do that and we know stories of many 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 BIPOC people 
who have to assimilate and adjust their images and their connection to Every their cultures day. because it's not seen as profitable. Every single day. Or commercial. Day. Yeah. N- not only profitable and commercial, but also just plain acceptable. It's not, you know, it doesn't fall in line with our dress code. It's not the image that we're trying to convey with our company, our organization, sure. our brand, our school. Therein lies the problem of, of privilege and power. Yeah. It's not about appreciating culture. It's not. It never has been. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you something? Oh, yes. So what do you say to the people who say, well, doesn't everyone appropriate? I mean, that black woman over there with that long blonde hair. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. Yeah, yeah. Or the fact that I have... She happens to be a pop icon or R&B or hip-hop icon. Perhaps. We couldn't put her in the same category of cultural preparation. I'm just Hmm. saying, I've I've seen this in certain debates, and I think this is where people start to try to mix metaphors and mix stories and mix histories to, to normalize and humanize it. But I think when you bring power and profit... That's it. That changes the conversation. Power, profit, and exploitation changes the conversation it changes the conversation so this person who may have long blonde hair mm-hmm. who is iconic is she profiting off of the exploitation of someone else's culture straight exploitation no exploitation off of that right but she is profiting off of a beauty standard is she profiting off of this beauty standard of an oppressed people no. So again, you have to add all the elements all into the elements. you have to add it all in. It's not and this part. We pick and choose mm-hmm. parts of it. And all of it's truth. Mm. All of it's truth. Mm-hmm. But we have to look at all of it, the inequities. What? Yes. And then the prolonged history of these inequities mm-hmm. and what that means to any group, any culture, mm-hmm. any group of people. Like, can we please just talk about Jessica? Jessica, Jessica, Jessica. Or Jessica? That's how she prefer her colleagues to call okay. her. Yeah. That was a pseudo Latinx accent. Give her pseudo. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you're trilingual. Testing, Thank so. you. Let, let's let's talk about Jessica Krong, shall we? Yeah. Just for a moment. Mm-hmm. And I am not quite sure. Maybe this is my own self-reflection and introspective work that I'll do after this episode of why she this level of festivity has been with me. And I think I know why. But let's talk about it. Well, Jessica probably, I think at a certain point, was a professor at George Washington University. True? True. Okay, so I think at a certain point, using what we're talking about in today's time, might have considered herself an ally. That's exactly right. To BIPOC people, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Right. And so spoke in the voice of BIPOC experiences, put herself out there as an expert Mm -hmm. in BIPOC history Created stories of lineage and heritage connect her to BIPOC generations. But she and created families. stories and profited off of stories of BIPOC people, but the stories were only the stereotypical stories. They were yes. not the stories of Latinx excellence, Afro Cuban excellence. It was struggle. They were struggle. My mom was a crack addicted woman, and I don't know who my father is. So mm-hmm. when she was questioned, you know, why is your, why are you, you know, lighter? Well, my mom was on crack. 
and she was raped by a man that she didn't know who he was. And so now you are perpetuating and living this masquerade and perpetuating another stereotype on the very culture that you say that you are a part of, Mm. that you love, but you're actually masquerading and culturally appropriating and just lying. Let's add. I mean, that's just lying. Yeah. Wow. And let's not talk about the way she treated the rest of her colleagues. Right, 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 right. right? She, so you, she was the one. She was the temple of knowledge. You're taking up space. You now become the expert, the temple of knowledge. You're taking up space that another young scholar who has worked really hard is now left out because you can dip and dodge in and out with privilege and with power. Yeah. To take up space. I mean, these these faculty positions are far and in between. You know, she was able to receive multiple scholarships. She was a McKnight scholar. Fellowships, scholarships, money, research, writing, publications, all on this premise of your stories and narratives that you told about a group of people. Mm-hmm. Number one, we're all just negative, all stereotypical, nothing great about the culture. And then you... Or nothing true. Nothing true. Right? Like there's that spectrum that says we can be over here experiencing some addiction to some pharmaceuticals, but we're also over here, you know, creating things and... And then you hold these standards to the rest of the faculty, all of the other women of color that you are working with. Now you treat them as if they are less than you because they're not brown enough for you and they're not speaking out against anti-racist policies as much as you are Mm. what has that done for us for any group of people for BIPOCs I mean anyway I don't know why that story bothers me more I think I do because of the whole idea of the masquerade in higher ed and taking up space and how many limited spaces there are in higher ed and now you have someone who has perpetuated a complete lie and false life Based on the idea of, I want to see what it's like to study a group of people because I appreciate them and I'm going to appropriate them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to exploit them. I'm going to profit from them. I wonder if she'll write a book. Wow. Just, I wonder just if wonder. she'll write a book yeah. and then become a best-selling author. Like Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. Maybe she'll get a Netflix documentary out of it. Yeah. But if you appreciate the culture and the idea. okay, so can we go back to Jessica for one second? The idea of who controls the narrative. So even in controlling the narrative, she decided when she would go public with this, (laughs) this exploitation. So still in that, how the country and society has perceived her. Now she is the victim because she was just curious and interested and feels really bad about it. And is still controlling the narrative. Again, it goes back to power and privilege as it relates to cultural appropriation. Some of the ways that you can reverse it. Layla mentions, what are the ways that I can financially compensate people from the culture that I am purchasing cultural elements from? In what ways am I supporting, protecting, and uplifting people from that culture in my community? Yeah, I read somewhere someone was saying that if Jessica was to write a book, give all the money back, give it all back. That is what Layla's saying as well. Yeah. If I am financially benefiting, are there ways I can redirect some of that financial benefit toward the people of that culture? Hmm. Hmm. Opportunity. Hmm. You're not. You're not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not. Do we want our listeners to do we want to pose a question for them? Well, I mean, where have we seen it? 
you know, and I think where too, is it not? Where mm, <laughs> where is it and where is it not? Yeah. I think many of us dance on that line as well. You know, some of us have friends who may not be BIPOC. We love them, right? right. Sincere, authentic love. And when they show their support by putting on a dashiki or wearing a kente sash or... <laughs> For the record, I don't think any of my BIPOC friends would put on a dashiki. Just throwing it out there. I, well, I said mine. Yes. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> um, I have some friends who I love mud cloth, though, Tasneem. I mean, is this a problem? And because, you <laughs> know, what it does show is... The, is it a problem? What it does show is the what relationships do. Because it makes it, it takes the idea of it being universally problematic, it makes it personal. Yeah. So now that you start referring to the person you know, but hey, I love Kendra. Yes, she's Italian. And she, yes, she looks cute in her mud clothes. She looks cute in her and I love her. And so you don't see her as this anonymous white person who is trying to profit from your culture or, sure. dip, you know, and, and exploit. You actually have that connection. That's the strength of, of being tied to someone and having a relationship. Oftentimes we talk about that humanness and that connectedness. Is there power in that as as it, we enter spaces and have these conversations? Like, why are we still talking about cultural appropriation? Sure. It's been going on since the beginning of time of mm-hmm. taking artifacts from one country to the next and putting it in a museum. It's nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing new. It's a continuing kind of, I think we're going to call it complexity. So my question for people is, where do you stand on that complexity yeah, because we are increasingly connected and that's a good thing and so when we're increasingly connected that means we are going to look at other people's cultures hey I'm going to tell you Andrea I have worn a sari before mm-hmm. I am not from India okay. no one questioned me at all I think I wore a bindi too I think you've worn things from Pakistan as well I, indeed you, I, indeed I've, I've and you'll hear you. me say oh but my family's Muslim which means we're multicultural which means we have exposure and accessibility to these different cultures right. no one's ever questioned me in that because as you bring up power dynamics changes the assessment That's right. so where do we dance in that in terms of appreciation versus appropriation exploitation versus exposure all those things are kind of fascinating hmm But my mother said something that I think is kind of interesting. She kind of took all the heat from the conversation. What did Mona say? She was talking about Rachel Dolezal and she said, Tasneem, I get it though. I gave it some thought and I get it. Because if I wasn't black, I sure would want to be. Who can blame her? That's what she said. Who can blame her? Look at us. (laughs) We're fabulous. We're amazing. We're beautiful. And so... We still might get salty about the fact that you're profiting and making money and not redistributing the funds. I get that for sure. But I like that she kind of lined it up with there's a fascination and an appreciation, a delight in looking at some aspects of our culture that makes people want a little some of some of it for themselves. So from my higher ed standpoint, then, OK, Moon, I hear you. But can you cite a sister on that? Cite a sister. That's all I'm saying. Cite a black woman. Yes. So Bo Derek did not create cornrows. Cite a sister, Bo Derek. Cite a sister. <laughs> cite the Fulani. Cite the women of Gambia. Cite all, all of, of Africa. All of them. <laughs> Appreciate and yeah. cite. Yes. Then we do it. Yeah. Where do you enter into this conversation? Like do you it. think it's complex? Oh, Where definitely. Is that complexity? I think yeah. there's some complexity. And I think that happens when you are in relationship with people. Some of us have white family members. And at the family reunion, <laughs> hmm? Yeah, yep, you're exactly right. And if your family reunion t-shirt has a family tree on it? Uh, yes, yeah, with little yeah. kente apples coming <laughs> off the tree. <laughs> and your new cousin who just married your, your cousin Bernard, his new wife, Katie. 
She's rocking the kente. She's the rocking the kente t-shirt. The complexity of culture, the complexity of humanness, the complexity of when we enter and exit spaces together. Yeah. Worth a conversation. So many truths wrapped up in that. And the truth must be told. It me. must be. Thank right. you, friends. Another episode of Truth Be Told. We look forward to talking to you again. Thank you.